Hello, and welcome to the 1844 podcast. Hey, we have a guest this week for episode three. It's Rahul Dendakuri. Rahul, say hi and um, let us know uh, how you got into cricket and what other U.S. sports that you watch. Hi, hi, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me on this podcast. This will be my podcast debut. All and, right. Uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I'm just another Indian kid uh, who grew up in the 90s at the peak of the, of the Sachin era. Okay. So growing up, so probably even when I was a toddler, probably I would have seen uh, Sachin batting on the TV. So my dad uh, is a really keen cricket follower. He even played a bit of university cricket. My brothers uh, were also really interested in the game when they were growing up. So cricket was a constant presence. So I, you can say, uh, even from when I didn't understand what was going around, I was watching cricket. So it was pretty natural that I picked up uh, watching and playing the sport. So okay. that's how my journey was into cricket. But as far as uh, conscious viewing cricket and following cricket and knowing exactly what's going on, it has to be the 2000 Champions Trophy that uh, Saurav Ganguly Dada, uh, that he's fondly called, he took over the tag captaincy and turned things around for, for Indian cricket. Okay. You can say that my cricket watching experience exactly began at that point of time. Okay. Now, now what? Uh, now you you were in Florida for a while, so uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I, after after I finished college in uh, here in India, I moved to a town which is 60 miles uh, west of Chicago called uh, DeKalb. I went to school over there for, for doing a master's. So during that time, I got to learn about uh, American sports, most notably uh, football. Okay. So I happened, I happened to go to the opening day of the college football season over there, and I was just amazed as to how a, a, col- a college-level tournament is getting so much of coverage. You have so many sponsors. You have... Uh, you, you have ESPN over there. Yeah. So that was uh, surprising to me. Even what? though I, I have seen a lot of, I mean, uh, documentaries and uh, movies before. I mean, uh, most notably Rudy, the movie Rudy, where uh, they talk about the famous uh, fo- footballer from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. So what yeah. game did you go to? In DeKalb? Was that in DeKalb or where, what game was that? Yeah, it was in DeKalb, uh, the... It was between NIU Huskies and it was a lowly FCS school called Presbyterian College. Okay. Yeah, NIU. Okay, yeah. Northern yeah. Illinois. Yeah. Yes, Northern it's, Illinois. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I talked to uh, Gautam uh, the la- for the last episode and he lived in Philly for a while. Now, I lived in Illinois for a while. <laughs> oh, oh that's, good. that's good to know. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was actually, uh, I lived in Peoria and then I moved up a little, little further north closer to work. Um, so, so Peoria yeah. in the sense, uh, were you working at Caterpillar? No, not Caterpillar. It was another okay. company. I was actually living in Peoria, but working at another company that was further north of uh, Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. I actually drove past the Caterpillar plant every day to go to work. And then um, I actually moved up closer. Uh, it was a, It's a chemical plant in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, heard, I've definitely heard of DeKalb, and I, I know that area a little bit. I, I went up to Chicago several times. Yeah, you know, it's just a visit. So yeah, that's interesting. So, that, <laughs> it's funny that you're from <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. So while uh, while I was uh, I was studying there, I mean, mm-hmm. I used to work part time in my university dining halls. Okay. 
so i i got to meet a lot of uh, domestic students over there other than my usual international cloud and people who were to graduate school so i was meeting freshmen um, uh, people who were still doing their undergraduate so who were okay. actually having their real college experience so okay. so a lot of them educated me about uh, football and basketball and the way the the, uh, the sports are embedded into the culture of uh, of an american Yeah. So that really fascinated me. I mean, uh, from what I remember, every day when I go to uh, to my class or in in the bus, I could always overhear uh, conversations regarding the game this weekend, the uh, about Cubs playing uh, the Yankees. Yeah. So and all how the Cubs haven't won uh, as yet for for the last hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time, so it was always. I mean, whether you you were going on an L train in in downtown Chicago or you were traveling on the metro from Decal to to Chicago. Uh-huh. So you you had some uh, you you had at least one person talking about the uh, the cups and how the how and when uh, are they going to win. So and uh, a funny story about uh, uh, one time uh, at a St. Patrick's parade uh, when when everybody is probably drunk and yeah. There, yeah. there was one guy who uh, it was in the middle of March and it was pretty cold but he didn't have a shirt so uh-huh. he was just shouting. Everybody, please come here and give me a high five so that uh, the Cubs win this year. <laughs> They yeah. actually won it that year, right? <laughs> In yeah. 2016. Yeah. So I mean, right when uh, I was watching that World Series final, I remembered that guy uh, in the name. I think it was near the the Buckingham Fountain. Yeah, see, I was a White Sox fan when I lived there, because uh, oh, so, so uh, I grew up, I grew up a Mets fan, and there was no way I was ever going to root for the Cubs. <laughs> okay. That just wasn't going to happen. That just was not going to happen. <laughs> Cubs are my enemy for my entire childhood. I really didn't, didn't like yeah, them. That's acceptable, but I'm sure you must have been happy, right? Knowing a lot of Cubs fan while while you lived in Illinois uh, when uh, when they lifted oh, yeah. the trophy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean there were a lot of Cubs fans in Illinois. And it was funny because we there was like a in Peoria is pretty much the Cubs Cardinal divide. So uh if you live south of Peoria, you're pretty much a Cardinals fan and if you live north of Peoria, uh, okay. you're pretty much a uh, Cubs. There was a lot of Cardinals fans where I was Yeah. Talking I, about Cardinals, the only MLB game I watched was the Marlins versus the Cardinals uh in the, in the Marlins park in in, in Miami. Okay. The Cardinals have had a lot more success than the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that was—I mean—that's the only MLB game that that I went to. But that—that uh, that was one of the last things I did before I came back to India. So, but uh, I was—I didn't have a really great time. But it was just fun having a different experience. Uh, the first time that I watched a baseball game was the World Series final that year. I mean, that, that's just because of the guy that I gave a high five to uh, in Chicago. That I just wanted to make sure that the Cubs win the yeah. win the World Series. Yeah. And uh, I watched it, and actually, I, I I absolutely loved that game. I mean, it had ebbs and flows, and uh, you didn't know what was going on. There was rain. It was exactly like a cricket match. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all the elements that you have in a cricket match. Yeah. But I was I was disappointed when uh, I watched the the opening game of the next uh, of the of the next season of MLB. I, I thought, yeah, maybe we, I can follow baseball as well along with uh, football that I normally watch. Uh-huh. But I mean, uh, without context, I I just couldn't follow. I couldn't enjoy the game that much. I mean, maybe. Yeah, does that explain it? I mean, would you say a World Series final with the with the whole narrative about the Cubs? 
Mm-hmm. I think it does add a lot of spice, right? As yeah. compared to, I mean, if you consider the World Cup final versus just a bilateral ODI between two teams, yeah, then I think uh, context plays a really big role. Uh, but as far as football goes, I mean, my football experience, I mean, was very different when I was in Illinois to what I experienced when I went to Florida. Uh-huh. Yeah. Florida is a football state. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I had no clue that people can be so crazy about the game. I mean, I, I, mean, I was seeing stuff in, uh, in Illinois, but it, people were not fanatics or, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it appeared as if it didn't uh, uh, I mean, mean so much to them. Maybe it's because uh, the, the Bears were not having a great time back then right. with Jay Butler playing for them. Uh, yeah. Jay Cutler, sorry. <laughs> and, and the colleges in, in Illinois are not very good. They're all pretty small. And Illinois, yeah. Illinois, the University of Illinois has a, a terrible football team. And then Northwestern has a pretty good team. But, you know, they're, they're really not a football powerhouse. They're just, they play football, but then they do pretty well. But they don't really, you know, have the success that, and they're, they're really, you know, they're an actual real school. <laughs> It's not, <laughs> not like some of the schools in Florida. <laughs> I don't mean to disparage some of the schools. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a fact, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I land in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, I just go around, and you can just sense the the love for football over there. Yeah. People, I mean, you can just know. I mean, you you go to a restaurant. I mean, people are wearing the Dolphins colors. Yeah. And I mean, I I didn't find that a lot in Chicago. It was more about the Cubs and White Sox. Yeah. And uh, a, a little bit of, I mean, uh, uh, the the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls, right? The Bears' heyday was in the mid '80s, and they really have fallen off since then. So. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine, yeah. When I asked them this question, actually, I mean, why don't you guys uh, hype up the Bears so much? I mean, compared to the uh, compared to Cubs and White Sox, and he that that's what he said. The 1985 Bears is one of the greatest teams of all time, and. Uh, <laughs> And, all, and I, I watched the 30 by 30 documentary on that, and uh, it was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. that was, yeah, that was yeah. a good one. I, I saw that one, too. Really educated me about the history of sport as well. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> they, they were a terrifying team for the other yeah. the other teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, seeing seeing the documentary and how the game is being played now, I think there's a distinct difference. Yeah. Yeah, Soldier Field used to be a... Uh, artificial turf the really hard kind with it was just basically you know a thin layer of that green stuff over concrete <laughs> and uh oh, oh. It, yeah and you know that was just brutal on the other opposing quarterbacks when the bears were <laughs> when the, bear, <laughs> the bears had a good yeah defense. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you saw the one game against oakland where they they were playing and they knocked out the uh they knocked out the starting quarterback then they knocked out the um backup quarterback and the only yeah. guy left was, the only guy left was the punter <laughs> <laughs> i remember yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i was laughing my ass off yeah <laughs> that was crazy mm, yeah i moved to florida and i mean yeah. uh, i roomed with a couple of florida state i mean uh, university of florida graduates oh okay so i mean so uh, the florida gators became my second football team other than my university football team and i huskies so okay. So then when back and when I moved to Florida, then there was a season when uh, the Miami Hurricanes uh, were unbeaten till the end, right? I mean, if you remember uh-huh. in 2017. Uh-huh. 
yeah that was a memorable thing i mean i, I did go to the to the uh, to the hard rock stadium to catch them live versus i mean the university of virginia i mean it was a fun game oh okay yeah i enjoyed that i mean very different to niu football games i mean so you can't even compare <laughs> yeah did, did you were you there during the tim tebow era no but i heard millions of stories about him yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, both he's, my uh, my roommates yeah He's still trying to play baseball for the Mets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. I mean, uh, I think that's how uh, that's how every star uh, college quarterback uh, ends up, right? I mean, they hype him up. They think he's going to be the next, I mean, big uh, uh, guy who will pull a team like Cleveland Browns out of the rut, but uh, <laughs> it never happens. Yeah. You So you've been to some of these uh, CPL games you were talking about uh, Yeah so so it, it, I was uh, really lucky to have uh, got a job at uh, Fort Lauderdale because I mean that's the only place where the the international uh, the international I, the ICC approved uh, cricket uh-huh. ground is there right. so I watched about three or four CPL games I mean, it's funny because I mean I haven't wa- I, I just watched two IPL games in my lifetime in, in Hyderabad uh-huh. So, but uh, right now at this point of time, I watch more CPL games, and there's a there's really a big difference of watching cricket uh, cricket in India as opposed to USA. I mean, especially the CPL games because uh, before the the games, uh, I mean, the teams practice, right? Uh-huh. Because no, I mean, you don't have a big uh, amount of fanfare for for these games. Right. I mean, uh, me and my friend would would get to walk in to the stadium and just. stand beside the nets where the players were practicing that's <laughs> like i mean <laughs> for a kid growing up in india who yeah. i mean who worshiped cricketers i mean that kind of access is unbelievable <laughs> oh, it's amazing i still pinch myself i mean uh, i mean i, I was uh, i was talking with hashim amla i was encouraging him i was clapping for him i was fielding balls when he, he was hitting it out of the net uh, <laughs> Wow. So it was a dream come to having to talk to cricketers. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I spoke to Ross Taylor. I mean, he's such oh, a great guy. Yeah, Ross. He, he had a he had a proper conversation. It wasn't just hi, I mean, how are you, and just take a photograph and leave. I mean, he actually had a conversation as to know what what we guys were doing over there. I mean, are we going to the games and all? So there were some unpleasant guys as well. I mean, <laughs> let me not name them, but uh, who, <laughs> yeah. who who were pretty rude. I mean. I mean, I don't understand why they would be rude because I mean, this is not India or any other country where you have thousands, thousand people coming at you. It was just two yeah. people. Yeah. It was just two people, and if they just couldn't shake hands and they can't take a picture with them, I felt sorry for them at at some level actually. Yeah, that's too bad. Did you did you go to the India uh, West Indies match that ended like it was two fifty two to two fifty or something like that? <laughs> Did you go to that no, one? I, oh. No, actually, I mean, uh, it was exactly the month later that I moved to Fort Lauderdale. It oh, was really okay. unfortunate. Oh, just missed it by <laughs> I, I just missed it by a month, so oh. I, I, I was really sad. Too bad. That was that was one of the best T20 games I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching it. Uh, I was watching it at home in Illinois. Yeah, I absolutely enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, so let's get so, into the let's get into the next segment. um segment 2 which is current events and so let's talk about the um the the tests that just happened and the tests that are coming up so what do you think about this uh, biosecure bubble how do you think it's going do you think it's going to be 
um, sustainable for the, the, the rest of this, uh, West Indies tour, uh, you know, any opinions you have on that? I think, I mean, uh, the, the ECB is doing a really good job because, I mean, I think it helps because, I mean, you have the hotel in the, in the stadium, right? Yeah, uh, at, yeah. at Southampton and, and Old Trafford. Uh-huh. So, I think it's a very unique situation. So, that's why they, they're able to make it work. And, I mean, uh, you can see the amount of work they're doing. I mean, uh, I just listened to a podcast yesterday with uh, Tom Moody and, uh, and I think it was Ian Bishop that they do the Pitchside Experts, Experts podcast. I don't know if you follow that. No. So Ian Bishop went through the entire thing uh, as to what the, they do every day. So okay. with, the, with the amount of testing they do regularly, mm-hmm. uh, with all the staff and all, I mean, it must be really expensive with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you must have seen it. it was surreal because, I mean, it is one thing to play in empty stadiums. We're already used to it with UAE and sometimes in the West Indies. So <laughs> yeah. that is not something new. But what is what was new was... Even the commentators in the in the box, they they didn't know what to do when uh, when the when a boundary was scored or when uh, when a wicket was taken because they didn't have any cues from anybody in the stands, right? There was right. nobody clapping, there was nobody cheering. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's uh, true. So many times, uh, I think to Athas, I think he was actually surprised. He was actually caught napping when somebody got bowled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if uh, you can't see it from your angle, I mean, I don't, you know. There's no cheering, so you don't really know that anything happened. And if you don't, if the, if like the batsman is standing in front of the stump that just got taken out, <laughs> you, you just kind of have to look at the players, I guess, is the only way you can do it. So basically you have to watch every ball like a hawk <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to know what's happening. So it, it can be like you, you can be on your phone or you, you're doing work on your laptop and just glancing at the game, right? Because yeah. miss- <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's kind of the way I am when I'm watching. I'm looking at my phone or something like that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but yeah, this but it, one, I mean, it, it demands full attention. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think they're doing a pretty good job at the, uh, you know, with the testing. I mean, you know, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop any second where they're going to say, oh, okay, you know, so and so has Ben Stokes has been tested positive. Now what are they going to do? And, and uh, yeah, that's what everybody fears. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just don't know. I mean, it feels like any, any day now, cause I'm, I'm sitting here watching and we can talk about this later, but baseball and basketball here in the, in the U S are not doing very well. <laughs> I mean, every day it's a couple of guys getting tested positive and I don't know. Yeah. How yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad. I mean, but, I, I, but I thought, I thought they're starting the NBA, right? I mean, in, in Orlando, they've created yeah. some biosecure zone. I, mean, I don't know how yeah. they do it. But I think some... it's one thing that uh, cricket can do, which others can, I mean, with, which the American sports can is because I mean, most of the American sports are played indoor, right? I mean, whether right. it's even football, even right. baseball, half of the baseball fields are indoor fields. Every every basketball field is indoor. I mean, when you have the the air conditioning system, and it's really difficult. I mean, to say. I mean, because anybody who sneezes, he can send out uh, the pathogens into the uh, into the environment, and they can go through the vents and whatnot. So I don't think it. I mean, it's it's difficult for for American sports compared to a game like cricket and even the soccer that they're playing. The English Premier League. It's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Sure. I don't know. I, I I feel a lot better about what's happening in 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 the England West Indies series than I do about the U.S. I really do. I mean, it seems like they're doing a lot better job, and they're and, and like you said, they just have you know a, a better setup there. 
in, yeah. in, in Old Trafford. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about the actual match itself. Um, I mean, I was really excited for this thing. I was putting out tweets for 20 days. <laughs> I, don't know, just, I mean, I was really I, I counted the days down. It was really amazing, and and just the fact that it's finally back. And you know, again, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop any second, but it it, it happened, and then uh, they played. I was amazed that they actually got the chance to play, and it was a it was a great match. I mean, I woke up wednesday morning and it was raining of course <laughs> and that, which i was like oh okay this is this is typical and then um they got they got some overs in on wednesday and then they what bothered me was the umpiring was pretty lousy that first day and the second day even i mean there was like seven or eight different reviews by the west indies <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and zero by england and then they called stumps due to low light and i was like there's no low light. The light light is fine. What is what is happening here? No, it was starting to be a, starting to be kind of a travesty. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I think I mean uh, the first couple of days. Yeah, we didn't have proper play. I mean because of the weather and the light. And I think I mean the the light that you see on the TV is, is misleading a lot of times. I think uh, when uh, when the broadcast goes out, they add a little bit of post processing to it. I guess because yes. sometimes when uh, I mean you you hear the commentator saying that I mean. You don't know what you guys are seeing, but it's actually really dark over there. So yeah. I think that I think that we don't actually know the actual light in a in a cricket ground, especially when it's beamed to our homes. But I mean, the empiring. I mean, I I see a trend. I mean, so now that the the DRS has come about, I mean, you would think that the empiring should improve, right? The the, the empire should be emboldened to take chances and not give the 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 batsman the benefit of the doubt but right. it is going down down and down down right I mean <laughs> I know I mean they're just they're just wrong they're just I mean they just they got it wrong so many times and I was like come on man Even the the ashes the ashes last year was a travesty I mean uh, I mean that was I mean even the the, the match uh, the recent match was better than what happened in the ashes last year yeah because I mean uh, I think one notorious umpire Joel Wilson he kept uh, making yeah. wrong wrong decisions, right? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Some say that I mean you need to eliminate the, the empire altogether. You can have everybody looking at uh, technology, but I don't think that. I mean, so the MCC and uh, the traditionalists will will object to that, and I wouldn't like that as well because I mean, uh, it's uh, that's the way. I mean, everybody plays the game from. Uh, from from the provincial level to the international level, right? So right. we wouldn't want to have variables. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, and then just just as a practical thing, I don't think you can review everything. You can't review every single, you know, every single yeah. ball. You know, it's just too. It's not practical to do that. You got to have somebody on the ground who's making calls, and then hopefully everybody agrees with his call, that, and so they don't have to review yeah. everything. And of course, you, you, by limiting the number of reviews, you just you know speeds the game along. But man, yeah. it was just that first two days. It was rough. I was like, this is ridiculous. And then you know, the third day came along and. You know, it started becoming test cricket again. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, nice, yeah, nice, nice and yeah. sunny, and and yeah. you know they got all the overs in, and you know, okay, this is getting good. And then the third and fourth and fifth days were all, were just terrific. Yeah, stuff going back. The fourth day was the the epitome of test cricket. I mean, the yeah. fourth day, yeah. I mean, it was a slow burn. You were thinking the match match is going out to a draw, and then suddenly, I mean, the last session, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, the Joseph and uh, Gabriel, I mean, the way they charged in. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was it was great to watch. It set up the final day very well. I mean, 
that's why we watched the game. <laughs> yeah, that's why then, everybody was missing the game for the last four months. I know this is what we want. This is exactly what we yeah. want. Momentum <laughs> changes and and you know yeah. and then Engl- England had all those chances in the final day. They had a couple of drops and Butler dropped yeah. one. And, and I mean they had the, I mean they they had uh, who was it Blackwood out and yeah. they dropped it. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the battle the battle between uh, Blackwood and the English bowlers was funny. I mean they were like I mean you you're batting like a tail ender. I mean you don't even deserve to score a fifty. I mean so you're gonna get out. And he was like yeah yeah. Go go, bring it on! <laughs> yeah, I mean he was he was really something. I mean he, I mean it was too yeah. bad he couldn't get his hundred, but I mean that was a yeah yeah. And um, I was really disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know Holder had the six wickets in the first innings, and and then you know he didn't do much batting, but then he he was there at the end for the the chase at the end. So I mean he he had a great he had a great match, and yeah, I mean, Stokes Stokes played great too. I mean I I wasn't I I you know he's had the most Test wickets since. In 2020, I don't know. I have to look at the stat again, but I'm, it's been amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised actually. I yeah, mean, I know. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, he played, he played fantastic. He bowled great. I mean, he just kept getting himself yeah. the ball and he kept getting getting wickets. I think he underbowled in the second innings actually. He should have uh, bowled more overs because I mean, by the end, by his last spell, he had only bowled four overs in the, yeah. in the last inning. And he came out, came about and took a couple of wickets immediately. So I think he underbowled. Tremendously. I mean, he should have uh, bowled more. I mean, I don't know why they were bowling uh, Dom Bess again and again. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, spin just wasn't doing much. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, the, the I think they they were banking on Blackwood uh, hitting hitting something up in the air, uh, yeah. looking at a spinner. I think that's what they were going after. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's how the game goes, I guess. <laughs> poor Mark Wood. He only got what? He only got one wicket in the whole. Was did he get two? I forgot. I think he only got. I know he he got one in the first innings, the very last wicket, which was you know, it's a tail ender. So. Yeah. But that was the only. But wicket I mean, uh, yeah. I I think he he'll be left out the next game. I I, I don't think it's yeah. the right thing to not miss Wood Broad. I mean, he he has taken 400 Test wickets. I mean, nearing 500 almost. I mean, it, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense that he 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 isn't playing in a home Test. I mean. Yeah, I just don't I understand think, uh, it. Yeah, I mean he's he's got to be in there. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, I just maybe don't... maybe they were tempted because there they aren't uh, many left-handers in the side. There's just one left-hander that West Indies have, and they thought, yeah. ah, maybe uh, we don't need him. But yeah, they they felt it this time. <laughs> yeah, some I think it was Jared Kimber was saying that in terms of Bess, Leach is far better against right-handers <laughs> than, yeah. than Bess is. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of crazy that Leach was left out too. Um, so yeah, so the England, I, England Test team is one of the overrated Test teams uh, in, in in this current uh, generation because I mean they don't have the record but they still have amazing moments like uh, Headingley last year. I mean, yeah. So things like that they do it in isolation, but uh, I don't think they have the consistency to be called one of the top three. Yeah. So let's let's move on to uh, I think that we've talked that one out. Let's move on to some other things, current events. Yeah, tell tell us about the India versus Australia. What you've heard on that? Because I haven't really been following it. I've been sort of wrapped up in this Test match here. But w- so what's going on with that series? And 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 um, you know what do you think is going to happen? Uh, they were they were saying it's going to start on December third. I mean, they said they had the schedule ready up and about, so everybody was excited. Mm-hmm. Even Ganguly came in and said that uh, we are going ahead and we are going to have that tour along with the IPL just before it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Honestly, uh, nobody has an answer to that. 
it looks like they're going to by hook or crook they're going to to arrange the ipl at at one place or the another but the australian tour i don't know what's going on actually i mean the last two days i mean the understanding has has inverted actually we we we're not sure what's going on i think uh, they're going to play but uh, i i don't think it'll be a four test series there yeah. might not be a boxing day test match i mean that will be a uh, <laughs> that when when you consider an australian summer with a without a boxing day test because melbourne is having a lot of uh, covid cases right now if i am not wrong yeah so, this, the state of victoria is having a lot of uh, cases but i think uh, that's one of the important series in in the current scenario because i mean uh, everybody is saying india is the number one team but I, i still have my doubts whether they can call themselves the best in this generation so i mean i think that uh, series has the potential to end some careers on both sides australian and indian sides yeah if 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 that too is a disaster i'm sure tim pain i'm uh, not <laughs> we may not see him again in a baggy green okay. the same goes with uh, players like i mean on the indian side uh, ajinkya rahane i don't think he's doing enough so that'll be an interesting series for him uh, and uh, and and if if we don't do well in that series india will no longer be able to call them the best test side i mean that, you can win at home you can win an odd series away but i i, I mean if you don't beat uh, the the current australian attack at their home then i don't think uh, you can call uh, that team the best in the in the generation yeah i really hope there's a boxing day test that's my favorite probably my favorite thing yeah 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 it's my tra- uh, it's a tradition at home as well i mean uh, every what time every, of the day? every boxing day yeah yeah what time of the day is that test start for you because for me it's like seven o'clock in the evening so it's pretty nice uh, it's about 5 30 in the 5 30 or 6 in the morning so oh. i mean it's 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 oh uh, I, mean, i mean me and my dad we wake up uh, we switch on the tv so i mean it's been a tradition i mean uh, in india may play or may not play in that match but uh, we make sure we we follow that match because it's normally during the holidays right uh, i mean it, uh, when when i was in school it was the holiday period so okay. we uh, used to watch that but when i moved to america i mean that tradition got a fillip with uh, with with the the new year six bowls mm-hmm. that come about at the end of the college football season right so <laughs> so uh, in addition to the boxing day test i mean that got added into my list of things to watch every year while i was in us <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah when you're in us you probably you, you got you saw it at the same time i did okay yeah um So let's see what else do we have? I mean the CPL did announce that they had a schedule they're going to play in Trinidad the whole thing. They have uh, what two stadiums there in Trinidad. Yeah. And, uh, I saw the draft. I didn't really uh study it too hard, but I I noticed that the American Ali Khan is going to play for Trinidad uh in Tobago Trinbago Knight Riders. I don't know who else are you following in that uh, CPL draft that you were interested to see. I uh... I think that the, uh, some of the teams are disproportionately strong. I mean, I don't know how the how they're able to do it. I mean, you have the Guyana Amazon Warriors. I mean, you have Shafan Rutherford, Shimran Hetmyer, and Nicholas Puran in, in the same team. How okay. is that even possible? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've been a team. They were yeah. great last year too. I mean, I don't. Yeah. They, they managed to not win the final, though, right? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's a great team. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it has to be great because you have the best talent in that team, and and they have a really good coach. I think jo- Johan Bota is a really good coach. I rate him really well. Mm-hmm. So I rate him highly, actually. So uh, other than that, I mean, even Trinidad, Trinidad United is also really strong. I mean, I mean, wow, Pollard, Bravo, and Narayan in the same team. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to watching it. I mean, that's it's a perfect yeah. timing. It's a perfect timing for me. I mean, you, you, for yeah. you, it's in the morning. For for me, I, I seven o'clock at I, night. I know, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I can watch it over here. I will probably catch the highlights in the morning every day, but uh, I don't. I don't think it's practically practically possible to to wake up at two o'clock in the night in the morning in the early hours and watch uh, watch the games. Okay. I watched uh, a couple of the the games last year, but I don't think I'll be able to do it this year. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of difficult for you. But I mean, uh, the, as I was saying, I mean, watching uh, cricket with, uh, with with Caribbean supporters, I mean, it is it's really different than what uh, we experience here in India. I mean, yeah. So I, I did say that I went to a couple of uh, CPL games, right? I mean, the the energy, the the enthusiasm of the fans. Even though I mean, the the fans in India are crazy, but <laughs> yeah. the thing is. The, okay. the way they celebrate and the, the way they celebrate uh, the win, the wickets or anything, uh, I think uh, the Caribbean flavor has a unique tinge to it. I mean, uh, you have to give it to them. They call it cricket played louder. And yeah, exactly. they're not kidding. <laughs> the, do, I mean, in India, do they have the speakers on the field the way they do? At, like at the, I went to the one game in, in Florida and they had the speakers about every 20 or 30 yards around the field. And they were just blasting. I mean, it was just un. I mean, my eardrums were shattered by the end of it. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know wife, what you're saying. Wife, yeah. My wife and I were sitting in the second row. And we were like, we can't deal with this. We have to go back up to like the twentieth row because <laughs> we can't deal with this this noise. <laughs> I mean, is it? Do they have the speakers in India when they play, or or in, at least the T20 this games? Is- the stadiums are bigger, right? So yeah. the, oh, the uh, yeah. uh, because of that, I mean, uh, the place where they keep the speakers, I mean, it is normally where you don't have the crowd. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but I think uh, in the Lauder, in the Lauder Hill Stadium, I think they don't have the choice, right? I mean, all the place they have is beside the stands. Uh-huh. Otherwise, on the other side, I don't think they have the facility to do that. So which is where it's 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 a lot louder. I mean, because of that uh, feature. Yeah, but I think I, I think the the bands that uh, the Caribbean fans come with, yes. I mean, that is something unique. I mean, uh, yes, the the steel drums. And, uh, and one thing is that uh, in India you can't have alcohol in the stadiums. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that I think that adds a lot of difference uh, <laughs> when you, when when everybody's drunk in the stands. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a different thing. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of a lot of rum. Yeah flowing in the yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> okay so let's move so, on to uh yeah. let's move on to segment three so we're gonna i'm gonna throw out some things at you or you know i'll talk about them too um i call this segment what does this remind you of so um okay. so the first thing i want to talk about was let's talk about the difference between what's happening in england with the tests and what's happening in the united states i mean i don't know how much you're following it in the united states but you know, we talked earlier about the, the testing protocols and and you know the fact that they're living in the uh, hotels right in the stadium and uh, you know there's no fans allowed and they're everybody that is there is wearing masks. I mean, it's really a different 
situation. What I'm seeing in the U.S., and I don't know how much you, you've seen it, in baseball, they're practicing right now in their in their own stadiums. They're not biosecured in terms of they go back to their homes when they're done practicing. Oh. Uh, they don't wear masks. Most of them don't wear masks. Um, I don't know about the testing. I mean, if it's like anything else in the U.S., they're not getting tested very regularly. And from what I'm hearing, when they do get tested, it takes them at least 72 hours to get the results back. So they, they're, you know, they basically can't come back to practice if they test positive or, you know, if they take a test, if they have symptoms and they take a test, they, they have to stay away from the field for 72 days, at least 72 hours, I'm sorry, at least. And then if they do test positive, it's, you know, three weeks that they're done. They, they can't come back to the field for three weeks. But then, like I said, they're not, they're not biosecuring. They're not staying in a hotel. They're staying in their own homes. <laughs> So I, I just I, I don't see how it's going to work. I mean I don't know. I think I mean the the, the situation in 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 England is pretty unique as I had earlier uh, suggested. I mean mm-hmm. I mean aren't there any I mean football or, or any kind of uh, stadiums in in US where you have a built-in uh, hotel into the into the facilities? I mean uh, there's not very many. I mean I I can't think of a single one where they could live at the stadium. I mean, I, I like, uh, oh, uh, Toronto is the only one. Toronto. I think, I mean, uh, and, and the number of people, I mean, for every franchisee or a, a team in, in, in U.S. sports, I mean, it is significantly greater, right? I mean, yeah. you have, yeah. I mean, I mean if, if you look at an NFL team, you'll have about 100, oh, yeah. 100 players in the roster. Yeah. And then you'll have probably a couple of hundred people who are supporting them, right? Yes. Yeah. They got coaches. I mean, the NFL, the NFL is a whole, I, I'm not, I haven't even gotten to the NFL is in a dream world. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, they, they, are yeah, moving, yeah. they are, they are moving along at this point as though everything will be normal by September. <laughs> they have not, they have no plan at all. They have no plan whatsoever for testing, biosecurity, nothing. They have nothing. They're just living. Yeah, in- even the, <laughs> even that's what I was thinking. I mean, I, I just got an email from my university saying the college uh-huh. football season is going to start in September. Get ready, yeah. get your season passes. <laughs> oh, don't even don't even, don't even talk about it. college. College is absolutely insane because the, the students are not allowed to go to campus, but they're they're yeah. going to they're going to make the football players show up. I don't know what they're going to do with them. They haven't come up with no. I mean, there's hundreds of colleges, and I don't know what they're planning. You know, the Ivy League canceled their whole schedule. And yeah, yeah, they're smarter ones. Yeah. Yeah, the Big Ten decided that they were going to do only in-conference games, and then one guy said, "I guess the virus knows the difference between an in-conference and a non-conference game." <laughs> so, you know, it's Good just word. nuts. I mean, the football is insane. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, they have not got a plan. Now, basketball, NBA, they're they're doing a biosecure thing, but it's not very secure because there's been numerous guys that have already. Uh, left the uh, biosecure area in Orlando, and you know several of them have tested positive. Um, they're supposed to start in a couple weeks. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm just shocked at you know. And then you know you you think about it. Um, they could, if they wanted to, they could learn from what's happening in England. <laughs> but it's yeah, like yeah, I mean, I mean. It's they not even a financial thing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you you get, people can I mean, suppose uh, people can say that I mean you can do the biosecure thing in England, but you can't do that in Pakistan because I mean England yeah. England cricket board has a lot of money. 
Yeah. But yeah. Uh, if you look at the US leagues, I mean, everybody is flush with cash. I mean, if they really want to make it work, I can. They can do it easily. I mean, all. Yeah. If you look at the hotels in the in the cities, they don't have any business right now. If I'm not wrong. Yep. You're right. And. So, uh, they have so much more money than cricket does, but cricket yeah. is doing it so much better than they are. <laughs> and they're not even, they're not even trying to learn from, from cricket. They're, they, they, you know, the American sports don't even know cricket exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got depressing. a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is depressing. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really shocked at what's going on. Uh, I just died. Can't imagine. I'm assuming the NFL will do a better job, I guess, I mean, because they have time. Because uh, September, maybe they're looking at cricket and all. Maybe they have a bit more money than the NBA, right? I mean, they're much yeah, more richer, right? I would say so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, to this date, they have not announced any kind of biosecure plan or testing or anything. They haven't said a word about it. So I, I don't I don't know how they're going to do it. I, I, I think they're just going to come down to, you know, mid-August and say, Eh, never mind. <laughs> just, just too hard. We can't figure this out. And, you know, too many cases. And I don't know if you, you did. You want to? I want to just go into. You know, we talked to. Uh, we're going to talk about Ebony uh, Rainford Brent later um, in my super over. But you know, this Black Lives Matter protest that you know that they did on the field at the cricket match. I was really kind of surprised that both teams took part. I mean, I absolutely knew the West Indies would. And yeah. And they, and they originally put their, you know, the logo on, and then England came through and actually did it. I, I don't know what England is going to actually do to follow through on that, but you know, it was a nice gesture of, the, of them to. I be, think I, I think they, were, they they didn't even have a choice because I mean, uh, and England has I mean you have an uh, an Afro Caribbean cricketer playing for England at that point of time in this in the match, so. Mm-hmm. Was, suppose if, if the teams are lining up and if you see the other team the, doing doing it and if you're just ignoring the problem on your side, probably they'll look bad, right? Right. So probably probably they, they didn't have any option. Right. I'm not sure what they're going to follow up and do. I mean, uh, I mean uh, it's really difficult, I guess. I mean, with a game like cricket, which is which is always, I mean, when you look at the British, uh, uh, I mean, the... The, the people who play the game over there, I mean, it's, it's normally the elite uh, schools, the elite uh, community, yep. uh, people who've been playing it for hundreds of years, who, whose grandfather was a first-class cricketer, even only such people play the game. Uh, otherwise, it, mostly the, the Afro-Caribbean uh, folk, uh, I think they gravitate towards football, right? I mean, football and right. soccer. Right. Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they, they can... I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, whether they, I mean, just uh, by Michael holding, speaking such, um, and, uh, g- giving a thoughtful message, I mean, speaking mm-hmm. so passionately, I don't think, uh, I'm not sure if that, that alone will help. Right. I mean, you know, in terms of problems over there, they've got COVID, they've got Brexit. <laughs> they've, got, Hello. Know, they've got a, a raft <laughs> of problems to deal with. <laughs> And, you know, you hope that the yeah. people that are involved in the highest levels of cricket there will say, you know, well, that's not necessarily going to those two problems aren't necessarily going to affect us as much as other things. And maybe they'll they'll do I something. Think, I mean, when you when you I mean, if you want to look at a parallel with the U.S. sports, I mean, uh, if you look at uh, I mean, I get the game, uh, if you look at the NFL, if mm-hmm. you look at the, 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 the starting quarterbacks of all the teams. Yeah. There's not a lot of diversity, right? I mean, no, you, no. you wouldn't have a... I mean, it's normally a white uh, player would be the quarterback of, of his football team, I mean. Well, yeah, for years and years, uh, the thought yeah. process was that, 
you know, the black quarterback couldn't uh, handle the, you know, the complexity of the schemes and things. And it's a bunch of nonsense, but, uh, and, and, yeah. you know, they, and, they, and the, the other thinking was that, you know, uh, the black quarterback wasn't uh, able to, you know, throw as efficiently as a way, I, you know, I don't understand it. It makes no sense. But uh, that was the thought sense. process. Yeah. And, and so I'm pretty sure that, I mean, in the, in the 50 years of the NFL, probably, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's just common sense to, to think that, I mean, there would be at least one legendary quarterback, right, uh, who's yeah. black. But yeah. and if it if it did not happen, I'm I'm pretty sure when uh, when a when a young kid and who is who is playing his uh, his football in high school when he's moving towards college, probably the coach will come around and say, uh, "Kid, uh, I think you should be a running back. Uh, I yeah. think you should be a, a safety." I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that 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 keeps happening in the country. I mean, I'm absolutely. Sure, uh, otherwise, there should be someone, right? And even yeah. the the quarterbacks that make up uh, that make it to the top, like I mean, you have uh, Cam Newton, you have Lamar Jackson, but mm-hmm. but uh, they're mostly dual threat and mostly running. I mean, you would uh, wouldn't associate them with strong arms, making uh, hail marys and all. No, no. So, yeah, you're right. I, I think I, mean, I think there should be a shift in the way the the kids are coached in in high school level from there. Yep. You can't force people saying that I mean uh, you're black, so I think you'll be good at uh, being a running back or a safety or a cornerback. I mean that doesn't make sense. I mean there's a, I think there, there's a cultural thing in, uh, in 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 American football, right? I mean you have the the tight ends from coming from Iowa, you have the I mean, yeah. uh, the the big confed uh, linemen coming from yes. Nebraska and uh, Wisconsin. Yes. yes. Similarly, I mean, uh, I, so but when you look at a quarterback, I mean, anybody should be able to do it. I mean, it, it, ju- it just doesn't mean that you should have a particular physical feature as well. Anybody yeah. who is good enough, who's, who has a good arm, he can, he can be a quarterback and he should be good enough on his feet. Yep. I mean, the NFL, you know, the, the ownership is racist. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's a fact of life. <laughs> the ownership is racist. So it starts at the ownership. And then it goes all the way down through the the layers of management. And then, you know, maybe the coaches don't care as much who does what or, or you know, but there's just been so much group thinking at the NFL for so many years. And, you know, it just gets passed down every every coach and then every coach passes it down to, to his underlings. And they just get a group think of like, you know, oh, if he's black, he must be a running quarterback. We can't have him be yeah. passed. Yeah, and it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean – they just, you know, I think we're seeing sort of the, you know, the end of it a little bit, maybe with, you know, we got Newton, we got Jackson, we've got Russ Wilson, we've got some other guys uh, that are sort of breaking that mold. But, you know, even even all three of those guys right there are, are runners. They run quite a bit. Yeah, so the, so they 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 get more paid for the running part rather than throwing part. I mean, yeah, that's how I mean I've seen them play, and that's how I thought. I mean, he, even if you look at, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's also a dual threat. I mean, he runs as well, he throws as well, but you see what I'm saying, right? I mean, so, so he, suppose if you look at a, a black uh, football player who has the same skills of uh, of Aaron Rodgers when he's about in, in high school, probably I don't think he'll be allowed to become Aaron Rodgers, is what my point is, if you get what I mean. Yeah, and then, you know, back I in did. the day, we, we had Warren yeah. Moon. And Doug, Warren Moon and Doug Williams were classic dropback quarterbacks. They weren't tremendous runners and you know they showed it could be done so i mean i you know i just don't understand why these yeah 
NFL uh, executives just can't <laughs> just let the guy be whatever he is and you know just yeah so probably I mean 100% I mean I dual that quarterback there people will go go up to him son uh, you can do works and I think uh, you, you you're better off running but I I'm pretty sure if if somebody has the the two qualities I don't think somebody will would have gone up to Aaron Rodgers when he was a kid and said that uh, maybe you should concentrate on running right yeah exactly so that's where that, that's where uh, i mean the, when you talk about black lives matter in context of sports mm-hmm. i mean that's what uh, as as michael holding was referring to the white privilege this is what uh, it means according to me yeah i mean in terms, in terms of in terms of cricket i mean i mean mm-hmm. if you look at the south african team i mean mm-hmm. even after the the readmission when they are admitting uh, i mean uh, african uh, i mean uh, the the black uh, players into the team uh-huh the you, you only see i mean from makai and to lungi ingidi i mean you only have bowlers coming in predominantly yeah. maybe it's the same thing that uh, i have explained right i mean the yeah. same thing might be happening at their end as well so there you have a, an all rounder who is about 15 14 years age and he's pretty tall and well built and the coach might come up to him and say son uh, i think you should be a bowler i mean you can be the next kagiso robada yeah you, i mean you shouldn't you shouldn't do that i mean Yeah, I mean you you got to let the kid be the whatever he wants to be. I mean <laughs> you know, you yeah. never know. You never know. I mean I mean if you know things could have broke differently, I mean a lot of these guys could have been tremendous batsmen. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess yeah. the the classic batsman is like maybe 5 foot 7, 5 foot 9, you know. He's not a big tall. Yeah. And but you know, it's not necessarily the truth. I mean there there are been good batsmen. I mean, how tall is Steve Smith? He's like 6. Kevin feet. Peterson. Yeah, Kevin Peterson. I mean, these there's been you know, talking player, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just I don't know. I, I just I don't understand it mm-hmm. ever from any standpoint. I, I never understood it. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. just get the most out of the guys that you got. I mean, whoever shows up, let them do whatever they want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next segment, uh, the super over. Um, super over okay. is where um, our guest and and me we both do a uh, prepared couple of minutes segment and if there's any comments that we want to make uh we go ahead and make comments on them and let's just do it and we'll you'll understand what it is <laughs> i've only done uh-huh. one other i've only done one other podcast with a guest so uh i have to explain this every single time so okay so um rahul what's your super over uh i'm i mean my super over is about cricket literature i mean So the uh, cricket is a game that they say uh, which reads and writes well, right? I mean, when you look at uh, a day's play and uh, the events that takes place uh, throughout the day and or even towards a match, towards towards a full match, uh, you 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 kind of sense a narrative and you can write a story uh, or like a drama or in which on or in whichever way you can structure it. so i think that is kind of a unique feature of cricket that uh, not, that a lot of people don't know if you, i mean i'm not sure if, uh, if other sports have uh, that uh, that that unique feature where you can you, you can see the bowler going back to his mark looking at the batsman then running in the 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 slow burn that happens uh, when from the move from, from the moment which the bowler starts running delivers the ball the batsman plays the shot the fielder catches it or fields it i mean this this period of time and the and the interval that uh, happens between each each deliveries i think that is crucial for producing a literature because that is where the actual magic happens in cricket according to me mm-hmm. 
so that's the reason why you have long romantic pieces of literature about uh, a day's play about uh, a passage of a match about a great spell of bowling and which is why i mean you can you can describe cricket in such a way i mean if you, if you i mean uh, i think there's a book called uh, beyond a boundary by cela james i mean that's a great book i mean i think i recommend that to everybody uh, to to know what uh, cricket means to to people who are playing it and that i mean the cela james uh, he is a trinidadian writer i mean he's he's a historian and i mean he's also a kind of a, a lawyer as well right so i mean he used to be a cricketer back then so the way he describes the the strokes that the uh, the batsman plays and and in the beginnings of the game and the and the origins of the game and how it originated from being played in the industrial towns of england i think it's a fascinating read and there are thousands of hundreds of books uh, similar to that and i think that is what makes the game unique uh, i mean i've been doing a lot of reading these days and and i feel proud to 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 be to be experiencing such a game and i'm not sure if uh, other games if you look at uh, basketball the action is so quick right i mean mm-hmm. you have a uh, 48 minutes of play and everything is fast i mean you have four quarters but i mean you have constant breaks in between but the action is very i mean congested so you can't possibly observe so much even in a, even when a, a footballer i mean uh, if if you look at the nfl i mean i mean they snap the ball and then they, they throw and they, you, you can't i mean as a viewer you can't look at everything going on over there the only way that that's the reason why you can't probably describe a play rather than you you have to watch the the highlights or the video to understand what uh, what the, how the play came about and how the play transpired but in cricket actually you just just by reading what happened you can know exactly uh, exactly what happened in in the match time situation i think that is a unique feature of cricket and i think everybody should read uh, cricket books uh, i think uh, my recommendation would be to read clr james i mean that is a great book i think even you should read uh, tim okay so uh, yeah that's my super over for the day <laughs> okay fantastic yeah I, that's that's really interesting um You know, I I have noticed that, you know, in the 10 years I've been watching cricket, I hear all the time about all these fantastic books and I'm I'm really terrible about following up on reading. <laughs> I I have an Audible account, so I'm going to try to go through at some point and collect some some titles for Audible because then I I I think I'd be more apt to actually, you know, listen/read these books because um that's one of the things is some of these books are not available in Audible, so it's difficult to but you know i guess if i if i absolutely have to i'll go through and read them. i mean there have been a lot of recommendations that i've gotten from different people that how great it is to read a cricket book i'm not uh, sure you'll be able to get uh, the older cricket books in audible because i mean yeah. uh, i think it might be the, the the newer books you might be able to find them maybe gideon hague and all Uh-huh. but uh, the older books i don't think you'll be able to find but yeah do take right. a stab at right. it Right. But I mean, I was I was curious. I mean, does the baseball or the basketball have such books? I mean, where you have romantic literature? I mean, about the sport? Well, yeah, uh, baseball. I think especially. I mean, the one U.S. sport that lends itself to writing better than okay. others. Okay. Uh, you know, baseball does have the kind of a a flow to it, similar to what cricket has. It's not as pronounced like you were talking about, but baseball does yeah. have the. the you know the the wind up the pitch the it's a ball or a strike or it's hitting the play you know it has a it has that kind of flow 
that's similar to cricket, but not the yeah. same. And and yeah. baseball does lend itself. And one one of the things that lends it, baseball lends itself is the is the rhythm of the season because you've got a 162 game season and you have to show up every day. So it's unlike cricket in that way, where you know cricket yeah. they play they play you know once every they play a test match, but they there'll be breaks in between the test matches. And then uh, in terms of like the ODIs, there might be weeks in between ODIs and you, you, you space out the T20s, you know, you don't play them every day. You play them like once every three or four days. So in baseball, you got to show up every day. And so the sports writer is there every day and he's getting the rhythm of how the season is progressing. And there's some really good books about uh, baseball seasons. Um, Roger Angel. Roger Angel, you should read his books on baseball. They're really, really good. Uh, he, he's written oh. about he's written about the Yankees quite a bit. I think he's mostly a Yankee fan. He did a fantastic book about the Mets. He did. He did an anthology book where he took all of his columns from the New Yorker and put them together in one book, and it's really, really good. Uh, I don't have the title off the tip of my tongue right now, but um, I can get you that. Roger Angel is probably my favorite baseball writer. He he really captures the rhythm of the season, mm-hmm. the rhythm of the season as it's going along. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to get into reading cricket books. I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> so so uh, one this thing, might be the right time. This yes, might be the right time exactly, in the lockdown, during, right? During COVID, it's, it's the one thing I haven't done in cricket yet is sit down and read books. And I mean, does that exist for baseball? I mean, yeah. an equivalent of wisdom? Yeah, it's called, the. Uh, there's several, actually. There's several competing almanacs that come out. The, the original one was started by Bill James, who was, Bill James was this guy who worked in a factory at night and he had nothing to do all night. So he would just accumulate baseball statistics and he put them together in a, in a, a, a yearly and it just took off. And then he was able to quit his job and now he worked for the Boston Red Sox. And uh, yeah, so he put up the first uh, initial and then he stopped doing it. And then various other people took it over. There's a place called uh, baseball prospectus that's puts out the biggest almanac, the one that I get Mm -hmm. every year. Uh, so that's a, and it's really good writing. It's gotten kind of worse lately because a lot of the, um, a lot of the writers have gone on to actually join major league franchises. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the the best writers are now working in major league baseball. And then they hired some guys to fill the, the backfill those positions who aren't quite as good yet. So the baseball, baseball prospectus is not what it used to be, but it's still a pretty good, um, pretty pretty good compendium of writing and uh statistics especially the statistics are fantastic they do a really good job um yes i think that's where my money ball came from right yeah right right uh but, but like, as far as uh, documentaries go i think I, th- I think the american sports do really well i mean i've seen a lot of espn documentaries i mean yes and if, if you look at the cricket uh, part, I mean, I don't think uh, there are any i mean there are just a handful of them people things like fire in babylon Maybe the the test that came out recently. So, yeah. But I mean, if you look at literature, uh, you have a rich literature about cricket. But when you look at audio, video stuff, uh, not too much. Right. I think that's the I mean that's the difference probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I I don't know. Cricket to me seems like it doesn't. I mean, the I, the players don't necessarily get involved in social media and social issues as much. They're kind of that's just my perception. I mean, you're, you're in, in, in the American sports, there's all kinds of peripheral stuff that the players are getting involved in. 
And so, <laughs> and so you can, you can, it's, it lends itself more to documentary style thing. Cause there's yeah. like, you think of like, we didn't, we didn't talk about the Michael Jordan documentary. I forgot about that, but um, oh yeah, we, we forgot about I mean, that, Michael yeah. was into, Michael was into so many different things. He was into gambling. He went and he played baseball for a while. I mean, he you just, you don't see that really with cricket players. They sort of, you know, they play golf and then that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why everybody's playing golf these days. I mean, every cricketer, I mean, every Indian cricketer, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're playing golf as well. I'm, I'm actually surprised how that caught on. Yeah. And, yeah. and they are, I think you do have people like Shane Warne, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a there's a, there's a few Shane Warnes around. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, Shane... they are not encouraged. I mean, probably. I mean, as you saw in the documentary, I mean, people like Dennis Rodman, yeah. I mean, you have coaches in the American system where they say, okay, do whatever you want, but come back, yeah. come to practice. Yeah, yeah. But in cricket, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, yeah. With the, with the long, drawn-out KP saga. Yeah, yeah. yeah KP's with, another with Vaughan, with, with, with Vaughan as well, with, with David Warner as well, <laughs> as we're, we're seeing now. But yeah, you compare... You Mavericks, compare, man. Yeah. yeah. You compare those guys to the people in American sports that, you know, just generate just hours and hours and hours of footage and controversy. <laughs> it, just, exactly. it just doesn't happen. I mean, you know, you'll hear about Kevin Peterson once in a while. You hear about Shane Warren once in a while. I mean, and then even, even then it wasn't really when they were playing. Of course, I guess when, when yeah. Warren was playing, he got involved in that gambling thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. the document. I mean, uh, I he should be a busy man. What is he doing with gambling? That was my first thought when I saw it in the documentary. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You just don't. You don't see cricketers get involved in the in the regular news <laughs> very much. I think it comes from the the traditions where I mean yeah. it's a gentleman's game. Yeah, so, gentleman's yeah. game. That's right. So you should you should you should you should at least even though you are you aren't playing good cricket, you should behave like a cricketer. You should just look yeah. the, uh, you, yeah. you should look like a cricketer who is an aristocrat. I mean that's how right. cricket started, right? I mean right. by posh right. Englishman. Yeah. Okay, Tim, what's your super over? Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I just told him to say that, by the way. Okay, so um, my super over is about Ebony Rainford Brent. Uh, you know her from the f- opening of the first day of the test match, if you don't know her already. Uh, she's a commentator for Sky Cricket. And yeah. she was uh, recorded talking about her growing up experiences with race. And it was very um, affecting to me, especially. I mean, I, I was extremely... Uh, affected by it and you know she was obviously very emotional um talked about a lot of uh, uh the things that happened to her in her her life and and you know how she felt like she was um pushed off to the side a little bit and uh not exactly uh, welcomed into the team and called things like you lot you know and she really got emotional when she talked about that and so i just wanted to to go over her career a little bit um you know, I have her, her Wikipedia page pulled up and I have her, her quick info and I kind of interesting. One thing that jumped out at me, was that she played for about 10 years she, off and on and she never was allowed to play in a test match. And I'm not exactly sure why I've looked up everything I could find on her and I don't have any information as to why she was left off the test squads uh, during the time that she was playing. Uh, when she did play, she played in ODIs and she was an opener. And she did pretty well. Um, she did pretty well. She she opened with Charlotte Edwards quite a bit. Uh, oh. Charlotte Edwards, of course, is the captain and a, a legend. 
in in women's cricket in England. Uh, Edwards was would be the uh, you know to take the first ball, and then uh, Ebony was on the other side. Uh, her her ODI average was not bad. It was twenty three point five six in twenty two matches, which is not a lot of matches compared to you know say Jenny Gunn for example. Jenny Gunn was often played with her and Jenny Gunn has been in 144 ODIs. <laughs> so, oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And she's still playing, I think. Um, or she's maybe recently retired. I don't remember, but, uh, you know, she wasn't as particularly spectacular ODI player. She, her average is 19.62. So it's less than Ebony's. Um, I don't really understand why she wasn't given an opportunity to play in tests. One thing that could be was that she had a very severe back injury when she was a teenager. And, um, she actually was told not to play any sports for, um, you know, the foreseeable future. And she ended up finding some other treatment methods and she was able to come back and play when she was in her twenties. So that might've been the reason either she might've decided that she couldn't hold out for five days of a test or, um, you know, the, the, the other, uh, the, the selectors decided that she couldn't make it through five days of a test with the, with the back injury. I'm not exactly sure, but, um, you know, she was the Surrey captain, so she played List A cricket for Surrey, uh, you know, which is, you know, relatively similar to to test cricket. You know, she played uh, for Surrey List A. She played 114 matches for Surrey, uh, hit an average of 24 and a half. So that was pretty decent. Uh, she she was listed as an all-rounder, but, you know, her bowling was pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, her, her List A economy was 4.51. Her uh, Surrey T20 economy was 5.14, which isn't too terrible. And then her ODI economy was 5.62 and she had an average of 45. She only bowled 96 balls in ODI. So she wasn't really in, in ODI. She wasn't really an all rounder, but yeah, she had, uh, you know, some good years. Uh, she, she never got to the point of being the captain. She was the captain for Surrey. As I said, uh, you know, Cheryl Edwards held that job for a very long time for England. And then, um, I did want to mention, uh, her best day. So, you know, she had a, it must've been a rough time for her recording that uh, piece for, for sky crickets. But I wanted to talk about her best day, which was uh, a high score of 72. I have the scorecard here pulled up. It was uh, in Basseterre against the West Indies mm-hmm. women. It was an ODI. Uh, England won the match by 13 runs. They uh, batted first. Where's the toss? Oh, they, they won it. They won the toss and batted first. Like I said, in that game, Edwards and Brent came out. Rainford Brent came out first. Uh, Edwards actually got out pretty quickly. She was bowled, straight bowled by um, Taylor. Stephanie Taylor. Stephanie, yeah. She was straight bowled by Stephanie Taylor. And then, so, but uh, Rainford Brent stayed out there for um, quite a while. Uh, She took 116 balls and she got 72. She did get eventually uh, stumped. Um, to end her innings, but she was out there into the 44th uh, over, so that was pretty good. They won by 13, and 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 Rainford Brent was person of the match. They called it man of the match back then, I think. Still, <laughs> this was uh, the date on this fifth of November 2009. So um, I think they were still calling it man of the match back then. But now she was person of the match. So that was uh, that was her best day, and you know she had a pretty pretty nice career. And then you know if you look at her Wikipedia page, she's gone on to uh, obviously be a commentator, which was uh, pretty prestigious. Uh, she's also does um, motivational speaking, and she oh. she has she has a podcast called The Art of Success. So I think mm-hmm. that's worked out for her. So she's 
she's had a really good career and she's looks like she's, you know, I think she's a star as far as a commentator. She, she's, uh, you know, she's on, she gets to be on sky cricket and she's doing great and she has a good voice. And I think she has a really good knowledge of the sport. And I think, you know, her and Isha Gua are going to be, you know, around for years and years and years. And uh, it's really good. It's it's really good for women's cricket and it's good for all cricket, I think. So that's my super over. (laughs) So I guess we'll, yeah, we'll, I mean, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, about that, uh, I haven't. I, I honestly, I didn't uh, know about any uh, for Brent before. I mean, I think a couple of years ago, I think the first time I saw her doing commentary. I mean, I did watch my share of uh, women's cricket. I mean, growing up, but I mean, I did not recall. I mean, honestly, didn't recall her playing regularly. Uh-huh. But I mean, yeah, whatever she expressed in that video about uh, the racism that she faced, yeah, I mean, I can I can exactly imagine that happening because I mean, the, if you look at the British culture, I mean, the way they, I mean, so they think they're funny, they they think they're they may taking the Mickey out of you by making such remarks, but and it it, it always probably ends up uh, hurting the other uh, the other person, which I don't think they realize. So right. I mean, which which I, I which they're probably they're ignorant of. That's the right word. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I can see what she's saying. I mean, I mean, I really felt that. And about uh, her career, I mean, I don't think uh, her playing less number of tests is uh, attached to injury or anything because I mean, the women's play very low number of tests. I think Mithali Raj, who's who's been playing cricket for 20 years, she's played only 10 test matches. I think yeah. 10 or 15. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, all they play is one-day cricket and uh, a test here and there. Like you have a, a couple of ashes tests and sometimes India versus Australia, India versus uh, England, that's it. So I think a uh, woman playing test cricket, I mean, that is a rarity. I mean, I, I don't know why it is so. Maybe it's because of the commerce. Mm-hmm. where I mean, you have less people uh, tuning in. And I don't know if uh, if now that uh, people are generating enough interest with this women's cricket, whether they'll start promoting test matches as well. England had a women's ashes all through her career. So she had opportunities to play in the women's ashes throughout her career. And oh, okay. She was just never chosen for some reason. I don't really know why. I, I there's a, The only uh, a woman uh, commentator at all in the United States is, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. I mean, so yeah, the only, the it? only, the only one that I know of that has any prominent uh, jobs, um, Doris Burke. Doris Burke is the only one. She does basketball. Uh, oh, I haven't heard anything. She, she on most NBA telecasts, she's like a third commentator that is talking to the benches. Uh, but she mm-hmm. has done, she has done play-by-play occasionally, and she's excellent. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's one of the best. Uh, announcers in any sport. She's really very good. She's very knowledgeable about basketball, especially because she used to play basketball. And um, you know, she's just great. I mean, she's really good. Uh, they they yeah. do. Yeah, uh, there's none. In, there's absolutely zero in baseball. There are zero women calling baseball. Well, there's only one that I know of, and she's on radio. Susan Waldman. She does mm-hmm. Yankees radio, and she's the only one. She's the only one in all you know radio, television, anything <laughs> for baseball, which is kind of shocking. I mean, there's a lot of women that follow baseball. So thank you for uh, joining us, uh, Rahul, or joining me. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I think we got a lot of stuff that we talked about and we went over, covered a lot of territory. And I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Uh, Nice, nice talking to you, Tim. I hope uh, you're able to spread the cricket gospel in the United States. (laughs) 
Yes, I hope I hope so too. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs>